hey friends and welcome back to The Daily. It's Wednesday, March the 24th, 2021, and we are working our way through the end of the book of 2 Thessalonians. Today we're going to start the final chapter, chapter 3, and uh, we are going to look just at the first five verses and really just think uh, on the reality of prayer and what that means in the context of what Paul has been talking about so far. So let me read you those verses and then just a couple of thoughts. This is 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So I want to just focus on this call that Paul gives right in the beginning of this section to pray. Now, remember, Paul has just spoken for a while about God's power and his sovereignty. And so what do we do with this or seeming conflict that at the same time God is sovereign, knows everything, is all-powerful, and yet we're called to pray? How, how do we deal with that? Well, if you've ever been in a church family or around a church, you've probably heard the kind of cliche saying that prayer changes things, right? We'll, we'll say something like, I know you're having a hard time, but you need to pray because prayer changes things. It's a really common expression, but we rarely pause to consider what it actually means. What things? People? The situation we're in? Suffering? What things does prayer change? And more often than not, the reality is if we were able to dig down underneath what people mean when they say that, I fear what they actually mean is that prayer somehow changes God, that our prayer can change God's mind about what's happening in our lives, that it can change his will for us, that if we pray just right, if we get enough people to pray with us, if we really pray hard for whatever the situation is, that uh, maybe then things will go better and, and that person maybe will get saved or they'll be healed or, or whatever the situation is. But behind those ideas is this reality, this notion that we have that we think prayer is some kind of mystical work that forces God's hand. And if we pray just right and maybe get enough people and do the formula just right, God will actually get lined up with our plans. And so the problem becomes if we believe that about prayer, but then we discover the biblical worldview that God is the one in charge, that God is high and exalted, not us, a king who has a plan that can never be thwarted, we're going to have an issue with prayer. All of a sudden, we realize prayer is not meant to change God's plans. And so we many times just give up on prayer. We have a low view of God and his sovereignty, and so we, we think that our prayers are meant to change him. But the reality is that prayer is perhaps much better seen as a means by which we allow God to change us and align us with his view. Uh, there is a professor at a theological seminary in Orlando, and he talked about prayer, and he had this uh, to say. There are people who feel that unless you are prepared to say that prayer can change God's mind and plan, there's no value in prayer. If you believe you can change the mind of God through prayer, I hope you're using some discretion. If that is the power that you have, it is certainly a most dangerous thing. Surely God does not need our counsel in order to set up what is desirable. Surely God, whose knowledge penetrates all hearts and minds, does not need to have us intervene to tell him what he ought to do. 
The thought that we are changing the mind of God by our prayers is a terrifying conception. Again, understand what that means. If you think that you can change God's mind by your prayer, you are essentially saying that you are wiser than God. And so that is a scary thought to have. But if we examine Paul's words in verses 1 and 2, we understand the purpose of prayer. Paul tells us to pray for two things. Number one, the success of the word of the Lord, which you remember from earlier in 1 Thessalonians, was what they received and what saved them. And then secondly, Paul wants them to pray for deliverance from wickedness. So he tells us to pray that the word of the Lord will, quote, speed ahead and be honored. Uh, The Greek reads that he wants us to pray for us that the word of the Lord should run ahead and be honored. So this phrase is really telling us that the word uh, should move swiftly like a runner and be, be cheered on in the process. But notice that Paul is not talking about himself running the race. The picture is of the gospel itself, the word of God, running forward and accomplishing what God wants. So we're called to pray that God's word will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So again, our prayer is intended to line us up with God's purpose, not the other way. But then the second request in verse 2, quote, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, is a prayer along the same lines as what Paul prayed in cha- or said in chapter 2. Remember, Paul described an evil scenario where there's this man of lawlessness and there's this deception that would take place, where wicked and evil men are going to rise up and tempt the church with false teaching. And so Paul prayed for the Thessalonians to stand firm, resting in the power of God that comes by the word of God. And now he's asking them to pray for him too, that he also would be delivered in the same way. So he'd given them an example of this prayer in in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And now he's asking them to pray for him as he did, which shows the equality that Paul sees himself and any other believer as equals. And so this this kind of two-sided aspect of Paul's prayer should really inform our prayers as well. If you're a praying person, if you know and love Jesus, our prayers should look like Paul's prayers. So first, we pray that God's will be done, that, that the word of God is successful. And then second, we pray that we won't fall into temptation But God, please deliver us from the evil and wickedness that we see around us so that we can stand firm and persevere so that the first prayer can be answered. And so this should sound familiar. This is the exact pattern of the Lord's Prayer. So then the question is, how how is your prayer life? Prayer is designed to get us in line with God's plan and God's vision for the world and God's will and God's kingdom. Prayer puts us in the right place with God, not the other way. It's not about changing God and changing his mind. Prayer is about changing us, getting us in line with God's plan and God's will, even as difficult as that may be from time to time when God's plan is painful, because it is sometimes. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you to just rethink uh, what you think about prayer, that prayer is not some white-knuckled, full-of-passion effort to get God to do what we want, but it's instead a letting go of our own desires. It's a, a, a dying to ourself, as Jesus would say, and aligning ourselves with the will of God. God, I want your word more than anything. I want you to be honored, you to be glorified, and please deliver me from wicked and evil so that I won't uh, fall away and so that then your word can go on and have success as you will it, not as I will it. So I hope that's 
uh, just an encouragement to you to if if your prayer life is is faltering and and failing right now, just try again. The Christian life is a is a life of of fits and starts and forgiveness and grace. So just try again. And so I want to leave you with that admonition today to just try prayer again and ask the Lord to align your heart with His will. And then I hope you'll join me again tomorrow uh, as we continue on here to finish up Second Thessalonians here on the daily.